Thank you, Sean, and the worship team. It's an incredible, wonderful song. Why should I gain this reward? Um, it's a constant echo and refrain, I hope, in our lives. Good morning. I am not Pastor Samuel Clintock, but I play him on TV. Uh, uh, no, our, our beloved pastor and his family, they are in Ohio, safe and sound. Uh, he sends greetings. He is praying for us this morning, and uh, um, he's joyfully on vacation, focusing on his family, which is a great and wonderful thing. And so uh, um, I, I, I'm here uh, in his stead, and I will um, proclaim God's word to you this morning. Um, and as you see, the title for my sermon this morning is Spirit-Filled Family Unity. I know it's Father's Day, but we're going to talk about the family. The fathers are important in the family, though. Don't, don't worry. We're going to get to them. Um, but sadly today, when we talk about the family, we talk about struggles. In our society today, the traditional family is under attack. You hear it every day in many ways, shapes, and forms, and it's disconcerting. It's a problem. Uh, from the ease at which divorce has entered into our minds and hearts to the willingness or carelessness at which we end life that is inconvenient, or bring new life into this world without the support and commitment of marriage by our mothers and fathers-to-be. The family is under attack. But God never intended the family to be this weak. He never intended the, the family to be anything other than a display of his glory. From the dawn of creation to the creation of God's special people, Israel, and finally to the creation of God's eternal people, his church, the family is to display his glory. So today, we celebrate Father's Day. And given these attacks and given the challenges all fathers and families currently face in the United States, let us turn to God's word to be reminded of not only the extreme blessings of fathers, mothers, children, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, step-parents, God parents, and I have a lot of them. My children have many, many grandparents in this church. What an incredible blessing. What an incredible blessing. Let us turn to God's word so we might hear the crucial role the families commanded by God to play in both the church and in the world. Would you please turn to God's word with me this morning? Um, and let us read from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. If you're using one of the black Bibles located in front of you, the scripture can be found on page 979. We will be reading from chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Here's God's word for us this morning. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that your word would speak clearly and boldly to our hearts. We thank you how you have created family to glorify you and to show the effects of your gospel. But Lord, now I pray 
that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing unto you. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. What a blessing it is to be a father. I should know. I know if you know this, I'm a father. And I couldn't be a father without children. It's kind of ironic because sometimes your children are what test you the most as a father. But I think that's the way it's supposed to be. What a blessing it is to be a father and also what a blessing it is to read God's word and see so explicitly, so clearly what God wants from me and from my children. And here in the letter of Ephesians, we have a wonderful example of a case that should speak to our minds and hearts with power. But before we dive into the text, let's be reminded of the context of this letter to the church in Ephesus. Paul is writing from prison in Rome, and he is nearing the end of his life. He's decided to send letters to churches in Asia, reviewing and reminding what he has taught them and how they should continue in the faith. As New Testament scholar Daniel Wallace puts it, the theme of Ephesians is the church, the body of Christ. Put in a sentence, the theme is found in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, and can be pragmatically stated, Christians, get along with each other. Be in unity. Let me read for you Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I, therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Christians, get along. Families, get along. So as you can see, the Holy Spirit through Paul's letter is powerfully calling us to radical unity in the church and as the church. A second theme that we might do well to remember is found in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, where we are called to keep the body of Christ pure and holy. In Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, we read, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And thereafter, Paul moves in chapter 5 to verse 18 where he says, be filled with the Spirit. And here the question comes, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? How does such fullness of the Spirit manifest itself in us? One important way that it manifests itself in us, that you can see it, is in our relationships. Paul has graciously applied these gospel truths to many areas of our lives that are important, both internally and externally. One of the main areas of our lives touched by these themes will be our marriages and our family relationships. Just as Paul mentions in chapter 5, verse 21, that we in the church should submit to one another, he moves to discussing the other areas of submission we should also be exhibiting, namely as husbands and wives. I'll admit here, wives of Park Hills, I contemplated preaching on Father's Day about what a godly wife looks like. And yet, miraculously, I made the decision instead to ask God to shine his light into the hearts of us fathers and children. That was a good choice on my part, don't you think? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it is Father's Day. And now we arrive at Paul's continued command to be full of the Spirit by looking 
at the parental relationship in today's text of Ephesians 6. As I, my sermon title suggests, my overall goal is to highlight the importance of and reason for family unity, a unity that springs from faith in Jesus Christ and is made, only made possible to the glory of God the Father by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. From our text today, I would like to point out three specific truths that spring from this text for our blessing and obedience. Three truths. Number one, family unity is extremely important. Family unity is extremely important. Number two, family disobedience is extremely dangerous. Family disobedience is extremely dangerous. And number three, a father's responsibility is extremely critical. A father's responsibility is extremely critical. Point number one, family unity is extremely important. In chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, we just read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And here, Paul is calling forth the commandments. He's calling forth from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. He's referencing God speaking to the people of Israel about the laws, the statutes. And interestingly enough, he quotes the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment, though, that deals with relationships. The first four commandments deal with our relationship to God. This commandment deals with our relationship to each other, to fellow human beings. And this is the first one. I don't think it's, I don't think it's an accident that God starts the commandments that deal with our human relationships with the family. Honor your father and mother. So in this point, family unity is extremely dangerous. I'd like to give two imperatives. I'd like to look at these two commands together. Obedience and honor. Obedience and honor. So to the children here, to those of us who are under the authority of parents, we're going to talk about obedience and honor. First of all, let me tell you, Children obeying parents, family unity in this way is one of the biggest, best pictures of the work of God in our lives. When we see a child obey a parent, it's almost a miracle. <laughs> Only God can do that. But children, you love movies, don't you? I love movies. This is the biggest blockbuster movie ever made. People around you are watching you. And this movie's in 3D, it's in HD, it's in surround sound. Children obeying parents is incredibly easy to see, and it's powerful. It's also easy to not see, or I should say differently, it's easy when you don't see children obeying parents, isn't it? We'll be at the store, and there it is, the struggle. So everyone is watching parents and children. When it comes to obedience, children, I think, I think most children here who understand the word obey know exactly what it means to obey. Whether they do it or not is a different question. So I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about obedience, um, but I bet all of us who understand the word obey, we know exactly what our parents mean because they've said you need to obey and then there's a long list of things. Or maybe there are rules posted on the refrigerator or other ways that we get the point across. So God is calling children to obey, obey their parents. But he's also calling children to do something else. 
honor their parents. That one was it's a little bit different for us, isn't it? This idea of honoring our parents. Not only should we obey those who, who've put, been put over authority, who've been put authority over us, we should honor them as well. And I, I like to quote here from an English Baptist, pastor, theologian, John Gill. So it's, it's legitimate to pass. It's a Baptist. Um, he says, he writes, Parents are not only to be loved and to be feared and reverenced, their corrections to be submitted to, offenses against them to be acknowledged, their tempers to be bore with, and their infirmities covered. But they are to be honored in thought, word, and gesture. They are to be highly thought of and esteemed. They are to be spoken to and of very honorably and with great veneration, and to be behaved to in a very respectful manner. And they are to be relieved, assisted, and maintained in a comfortable way when aged and in necessitous circumstances. Children not only should obey, but children should strive to relate to their parents with obedience, but also reverence, to joyfully, when you think children of your mother and father, a smile should come across your face. Yes, you've been punished. Yes, I understand that. And yet, when you think of your mother and father, a joyous smile should come across your face. And when anyone asks you about your mother and father, you reply with glorious words of honor that they did well. They raised me in the love of the Lord. Perfectly? No. They did not do it perfectly, but they strove to do it in love. That's what we want our children, and that's what we want in us. In the text, we're reminded also that Paul writes in this verse, we should do these things in the Lord, in the Lord. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and reminds them and us today that this unity is created and sustained through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This may also indicate that a child's obedience must not result in disobeying the Lord. This is a warning for us parents. We must call our children to obey us because they are obeying God when they do so. They must, we must never call our parents to disobey the Lord. So, Paul is reminding the church in Ephesus, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And he goes on to say, for this is right. This is right. Well, of course it's right, but it's more than that. It's not just right now. It's right always. Children, obeying the Lord is right for all times, all ages, all children. God cares even about the family unity among the non-believer as well. All humanity can receive the benefit of the family when unity is pursued, just as all humanity can receive the blessing of marriage when husbands and wives seek to love each other sacrificially and submit to each other in equality of dignity. So it is right for all children. It is right for us as the church to try to give wisdom to all parents, non-believing parents, on how to raise their children lovingly and get their children to obey. There are blessings in this relationship. And God extends the impact of this command by adding a promise to it, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And we can think about this promise in three ways. I've thought about it three ways. It's a physical promise. 
It's a communal promise, and it's a spiritual promise. Think about it physically. The act of obedience reduces conflict and stress and strain. Who would like conflict, stress, and strain reduced in their lives? Do you think you would feel better? Yes, you would. Stress reduces our health and well-being. So in a real physical way, when families are unified, when children are obeying their parents, stress is reduced, and we physically live longer. We live healthier lives. We live happier lives. What a blessing. But also this promise is communal. When the family unity is high in society itself, society is more cohesive, and there's reduced conflict. How many of you have heard commentators discussing how many of our societal ills are due to the breakdown in the family? We hear it all day long. Or at least there's something associated with what's going on in our society that's bad and how the family is struggling. And you know what? I'm sorry to say there's some truth to this claim. It is. They are linked. When the family is unified, society does work better. But when the family is breaking apart, stress and strain, society breaks apart. We're linked. Finally, there's a spiritual promise here. For those of us who believe, obedience and submission bring forth spiritual blessings, which are incredibly important to our own growth as believers. Patience. Contentment, humility, dependence on God, joy, peace, self-control. When we obey, these are the things that spring forth in our lives. And I want to hear, importantly, parents have the responsibility to respond to obedient children with the authority given to us by God. This was God's design to place tangible figures of authority over us from childhood. The point is that this reality is not just about calling children to obey. It doesn't stop there. But it is for us parents to see this authority role as God-given, and we need to exercise it even when we don't feel like it. Am I the only dad here who has said, I really should go over there and do some obedience training, but I'm too tired? I might be the only one. I hope I'm the only one. But if I'm not, then, I have sh- then we have shirked our duties. We need to do these things. We need to respond because we've been given this authority by God. And we must respond not in our own ways as we'd like to, but as God designed it for us to carry it out. This also reminds us constantly that we, parents, are under God's authority as well. We are under God's authority as well. These promises given to us that it may, lay, they may go well with you and that it may live long in the land, show us that obedience is good, not just because it brings unity and it reduces stress, but also because it brings spiritual blessings. And we should not teach our children not just to obey, but here's the kicker, children, parents, we should teach our children to desire to obey. Because I do know when I was young, I obeyed without wanting to. And that's normal. And yet, we should raise our children to desire obedience. How can we as parents, how can we as parents instill in our children not just obedience, but the goodness of obedience? Parents are responsible for showing and communicating the beauty and goodness of obedience. How do we do that? 
Do our children know that obedience is something they should desire, that it is good? Do we make obedience a good thing in our families? And fathers, you have a big role to play in answering this question. Do you make obedience a good thing or not? And we will get to you. We will get to you, oh, fathers. Um, so we have these promises, obey and honor our parents. And unity is strong and extremely important, and it happens when we are doing these things. But sadly, there is still disobedience in the family. And it is not right. And it does not go well with us. Point number two, family disobedience is extremely dangerous. Family disobedience is extremely dangerous. Although the text is not explicitly stating this truth, we can see this truth in the opposite of what God has spoken. If obeying our parents is God's command, it is in the Ten Commandments. If honoring them is called for by being in the Lord, and it is right, and it brings joy and long life, what happens when there is disobedience? Is the opposite of all those things. Let's unpack that more there. First of all, when breaking a commandment, we put ourselves against God and make ourselves enemies of God. The entire Old Testament is the story of God creating a people for himself, a people, a nation, his children who struggle to what? To obey his commands. And as we read the dire warnings in Malachi today, these priests who are there to give instruction, who are there to, to have the next generation of Israelites worship the one true God. They are struggling, and they are going to be held accountable. The priests of the day were disobedient, and they were leading Israel to be disobedient. His children, and this was dangerous and destructive and evil. And it so happens that disobedience in the family is one of the most easily seen and readily accessible sins of man given the vast amounts of time we spend with our families over all other people and relationships, right? I don't have any sin problems at work, not usually. But boy, when I'm with my family, and I'm with them a lot, aren't I? A lot more than anyone else. Sin may come. And as we discussed here at Park Hills in our biblical counseling studies, Sinners tend to respond sinfully to being sinned against. Sinners tend to respond sinfully to being sinned against. Where is this truth going to be most easily tested and proved? You guessed it, in our families. Our marriages between parents and children, sibling rivalries, and so forth. If we are going to sin or be sinned against, it's probably going to be in our families first and foremost. This is a problem. But there is hope. There is hope for this dangerous reality. Let us read again from Malachi as the prophet warns his people and spiritual leaders of something amazing. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 3, we read, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. To counteract this disobedience problem, God is saying what? He's saying, I am coming. I am coming. It is a prophecy of the coming of the Lord himself to deal with the disobedience of Israel, to deal with all our disobedience. Friend, if you are not a Christian, I want you to know that the most important news that we Christians have to declare 
the Lord promised in the Old Testament that he himself would come to redeem his people from their disobedience, from their sin. And come he did. His name is Christ Jesus, the Son of God. He came to repair the family relationship between God, our Father, and humanity. For you see, in the beginning, Adam and Eve rebelled against him, disobeyed his commands. And through their disobedience, sin and rebellion entered all humanity. All of us were exiled from our perfect, loving relationship with our just and holy Heavenly Father. And we will be rightly punished for our disobedience. But to repair this breach, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for our sins and rebellion by dying on a cross. As we read in Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The sacrifices of the disobedient Israelites were dirty and they were nasty. And God rejected them. They were still doing them. Out of pure disobedience, they were obeying the law. And God said, I don't want your sacrifices. They are like dung. The sacrifice of Christ is a fragrant offering to the Lord. It is the perfect sacrifice. Those who repent and turn away from a life of sin and disobedience and turn to God our Father through faith in his Son, Jesus Christ, are adopted back into his family. We become his children, and we are called to act as such, walking in love. How deep the Father's love for us, indeed. Amen? How deep the Father's love for us. Let me be clear to those of you who may not know God as he truly is, our Heavenly Father. God is calling you right now to repent and believe in him through the sacrifice of his Son, Jesus Christ, and become his child. If you would like to know more about this, please, please come see me after the service, and I would love to talk to you and share with you more about this. So we reviewed, we've covered two points. Family unity is extremely important. Family disobedience is extremely dangerous. And finally, point three, families, a father's responsibility is extremely critical. A father's responsibility is extremely critical. Our final point this morning is for us fathers. I'm getting ready. Lord, let me hear deeply. It is important reminder on this day of celebration. We read in verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Oh, what an incredible responsibility for us fathers. God has put upon us, and yet is a blessing upon blessing. God relates to us over and over that we are the heads of our families as Christ is the head of the church. We are the priests of our households as Christ is the high priest. The hallmark of our leadership should be love and sacrifice. And if you've read Ephesians 5, where husbands and wives are discussed in this, husbands and men, you see what we're called to, sacrificial love, sacrificial lives. Some points to remind ourselves here. First, God is calling us fathers to uphold unity in the family, and especially in our children, through leading them into unity through the fruits of the Spirit. Mothers, this reality also applies to you, but in a real sense, fathers have a special responsibility that we must take seriously and prayerfully. And not just fathers, grandfathers as well. In all men who have some children under their authority, who have influence over children, God is calling you to this high standard. 
God is calling fathers to lead children with the intent of bringing peace and joy into their lives, not conflict and anger. When we as fathers relate to our children in anger, we build in them anger and bitterness that comes out in unhealthy ways. The world will sin against our children. Let me be clear about that. The world will sin against your children. The world will sin and has sinned against my children. Parents, let us not be an additional temptation for them to sin as well. Remember, we can strive to do this as fathers only in as much as we are connected to the Lord himself. Second, a key aspect to this truth is that God not only commands against provoking our children to anger and sin, but also that we must provide for their discipline and instruction in and by the word of the Lord. So here, do not provoke your children to anger, but then don't leave it there. You've got a positive responsibility. Instruction in the word of the Lord. Discipline in the word of the Lord. Four brief points I'd like to bring out here for all fathers this morning. First of all, be determined to model living under God's authority. If you're going to be a successful father wanting to express your God-given authority over your children, you should show your children what it's like to be under authority yourself. Do we fathers model submissiveness to God in front of our children? Do our children see in their father a man who strives to submit to the Lord? No earthly dad is perfect. Trust me, I know this the hard way. We can't show perfection to our children, but do they see in their home a father who strives to be submissive to God? Does he apologize when he has wronged his children? Does he apologize to his children when he has wronged his wife? For he has sinned against God and against her and against them. Training and submission must be done with dignity, not with anger or uncontrolled emotions. The responsibility for training one's household in a dignified submission seems to be the responsibility of fathers. Such training and submission must be done with care and love, not impulsively, not sporadically, but regularly, frequently, in love. Oh, how we pray that our fathers would be men who practice this God-given care of training their children with dignity and love to live under authority. All of us must live under some authority. Let us remind our children, fathers, that we live under the authority of God, and we seek His will in our lives. So, fathers, be determined to model living under God's authority. Second, fathers, be disciplined in your own spiritual growth. Let us be disciplined in our own spiritual growth. How are we going to obey God's command to raise up our children according to God's word if we ourselves are not in God's word, if we are not living out God's word? Fathers, today I call us to look intently at our spiritual lives in relation to the spiritual disciplines God calls all of us to cultivate. Time in the word, prayer, faithful gatherings with the saints, accountability relationships, fasting, encouragement. Our children need to see that in us and through us. I call all of us to inspect our own lives against the fruit of God's Spirit. These fruits should be evident over time more and more as we grow in the Lord. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And let me tell you, when I'm dealing with my sons, all of these could be helpful for me all at once. They are all fruitful. They are fruits of the Spirit. They are all good to have in our hearts all the time as fathers. Be disciplined in our own spiritual growth. Third, let us be diligent in creating and directing time for our families to increase their discipline in the Word, in prayer, and other spiritual disciplines. Fathers, do we offer a family Bible reading time in our homes? Or when was the last time we asked our family members, our wife and our children, what are you reading in your quiet times? How is your Bible reading going? Do we emphasize that this is one of the most important things we can do? Some of us need to ask this question over lunch today or as we drive home on Father's Day. I give you permission, fathers, to ask these questions to your children, to your wives, to yourself. What am I reading in my quiet times? Or if you're like me, do you struggle to just take a nap because it's quiet? No, I need to be in the Word. Married fathers, ask your wives to keep you accountable in this task, and they will. They'll joyfully do it. <laughs> Trust me, they love seeing their husband grow in godliness. It is a sweet fragrance to them. Ask them, and they will help you. Single dads, ask a brother in the Lord to pray for you and keep you accountable on this special task. We all need to be held accountable as men to this task. So be diligent in creating and directing time for our families to increase their spiritual disciplines. And finally, and fourthly, be discerning in what our families invest their time in. Make sure you not only create time, space, and experiences for them to grow in the Lord, but ensure the materials that they use do not contain error or false teachings. Make sure the messages and images that reach your family's eyes, ears, and minds within your home and other places you have control over do not go against the Word of God. Be involved. Those of us with teenagers, we get the pushback, and it's normal, and it's, it's a good sign of independence. I don't need you to be so involved anymore, Dad. Yes, you do, and I'm going to be involved in wise ways, in loving ways, showing you that I love you and that this is important, not in domineering ways, not in authoritative ways, but in sweet ways, and sometimes in underhanded ways. No. But I'm glad my son realizes this risk, and he knows that I can check his email anytime I want, and he is okay with that. And I praise the Lord for that, because that's the kind of transparency we need. The world wants to take our sons and daughters quickly away from us and fill them with filth. And we must combat that by filling them with the Word of God, with the sweetness of Christ Jesus himself. So, fathers, this is on us. We must guard our homes and our, the hearts of our wives and the hearts of our children and the hearts of men and women around us that we have authority and relationships with. We must be active. You know, we men seem to be oriented towards war. Let us fight the good fight. Let us put on the armor of God. Let us carry the sword of the Spirit. Be violent about it. John Piper once said in one of the great sermons, make war. Make war on the sin in your heart. Make war on the sin in your heart. And then you'll be able to make war with the sin in your home and the sin out in the world. Let us make war. Let us be discerning. Oh, fathers, family unity is extremely important. We've discussed. I've outlined how family disobedience is extremely dangerous 
And finally, I hope, fathers, we are reminded that our responsibility is extremely critical. We, God has given us the authority and power. We are part of the solution. Let us not be part of the problem. Let us be lovingly encouraging to our wives and our children. Let us gloriously preach the gospel to them. Let us sit down with our two-year-olds and our newborns and open God's word. And even though they may not understand the way we think they will in the future, they do understand that something is important, that daddy has stopped his day to open God's word and sit me on his lap and read it. And yes, he will squirm and they will squirm out. And you hold them tight because it's that important. Hold them tight and do not let them go. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the call to responsible parenting. We thank you for the call to glorious and honoring obedience as children. And Lord, this call is for all of us. All of us have fathers and mothers. All of us are reminded that we must be obedient, first of all, to you, our Heavenly Father. And then in our own human families, Lord, to be reminded that the blessing and the command of obedience is sweet. It's a sweet fragrance. It's an offering. Lord, let us, let us not be like Levi during the times of disobedience who called to instruct the next generation was planting seeds of disobedience and sin. Lord, let me not be this father. Let me be a father who plants the seeds of the gospel. Let me be a father whose love and generosity and sacrifice are constant. And Lord, let me be a father who repents when I fall. And I have fallen and I will fall, Lord, knowing that you pick us up and remind us to continue the race to godly fatherhood and godly manhood. And thank you this morning for our wives, Lord. I pray that they would hold us accountable. They would speak truth into our ears, even as our ears burn sometimes with the pride of sin that we have as fathers. Lord, I pray that we would return their accountability with sweet thankfulness to God, you, Lord, and to them. And, Lord, I pray that we would love our children the way you love us, with mercy and grace, knowing that they are not perfect by any means, but, Lord, that they are lovely in your eyes, and you have gifted them to us. And you have placed us over them to do the work of shepherding, to shepherd their heart. Lord, shepherd my heart this morning. Shepherd all the hearts of our fathers. Shepherd all the hearts of our parents and grandparents, uncles and aunts, cousins, all of us, Lord, who touch children, let us be shepherds to them, whomever they may be, knowing that this is good and right and that it will go well with us and that we will live a long life. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.